Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and colleague and co-author, Nancy Saxton Lopez. And we have a special guest, and we're actually going to have two special guests in just a few moments. So this is a this is a program that Nancy and I put together as a way to bring some of the recommendations and the experiences and hopefully the wisdom that we gained over decades of facilitating groups for people who'd lost a beloved animal companion. And we first put that those thoughts and those recommendations and those stories into a book called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And then with this great new technology, we thought we'll bring as much of that learning and guidance as we can to as broad an audience as we possibly can. And so we are happy to have you with us, whether you're with us live now or are listening on one of the podcast outlets or watching a YouTube or a Facebook video later on. Before we start, I wanna mention Dakin Humane Society. Dakin is a friend of our program and let me tell you a little bit about them. Dakin is a 501c3 community-supported animal welfare organization that provides shelter, medical care, spay-neuter services, and behavioral health or behavioral rehabilitation, I should say, for more than 20,000 animals and people each year. Since its inception in 1969, Dakin has become one of the most recognized nonprofit organizations in central Massachusetts and a national leader in animal welfare. You can learn more about Dakin and make a donation at dakinhumane.org, and that is D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E dot O-R-G. Nancy? Yes, so I am going to introduce our uh, two folks that are going to be speaking with us tonight, um, Heidi Gutierrez and Dave Rubin. Um, now, Dave is en route, so hopefully he will get here. We're having a lot of thunderstorms where we are, um, and I'm sure that the traffic is backed up. But Heidi and Dave are no strangers to loss. They are two halves of a widowed couple having lost Arnell and Bianca in 2014 and 2016, respectively. In early 2020, Heidi lost her mom to cancer, and in 2013, she lost her then eight-year-old nephew, Adrian, to a fatal anaphylactic reaction to cow's milk. They also have each lost animal companions, most recently in May 2021, when Heidi had to say goodbye to Ziggy, a miniature schnauzer rescue that she adopted eight months following her husband's passing. Dave lost three of his own dogs, Quentin, Chester, and Apollo, between 2014 and 2019. They are the creators and hosts of Laugh at the Odds podcast with Heidi and Dave, a bi-weekly podcast about love, loss, widowhood, and hope. They offer their perspectives as, as a young interracial widowed couple while dispensing advice from seasoned professionals and engaging in meaningful conversations with inspiring widows and widowers featured in each episode. Dave is the father of a sardonic and intelligent seven-year-old boy, Benji, and Heidi is mama 
to her other adopted mini Schnauzer, Zena. Together, they raise and shuttle their family between their two homes in New Jersey. So welcome, Heidi. Welcome, Heidi. Thank you. Hi, Ken. Hi, Nancy. Thank you for having me. Of course. We Great to really be with you. So why don't we start with talking a little bit about Ziggy um, and what your experience was and, and what you went through um, and who, who this dog was to you. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I think we we pretty much got into a little bit of his story um, in that bio, but just to give a little bit more flavor, Ziggy actually had a pretty troubled past. Um, he was he originally came from a family, from what I know, I believe, a rather wealthy family in the Hamptons on Long Island, um, and they ended up having a child, and I think he was a little violent towards the child, so he was given up. Um, so he was at the shelter. He was actually adopted twice and returned twice because of that aggressive behavior. Yeah. So at that point, he was deemed, you know, unadoptable by the public and he could only be basically rescued by a, a rescue organization. So in came New Jersey Schnauzer Rescue Network, who, who took him in. Um, it's based in Fanwood, New Jersey. Um, and I think they basically rehabbed him for, I would say, a year or a year and a half. Um, and then in 2015, which is eight months uh, post-loss for me, so um, March, I would say probably early to mid-March of 2015 is when I started looking for a little companion. Mm -hmm. um, so I found him on petfinder.org. And lo and behold, I fell in, you know, I saw his photo. I fell in love with him and I reached out and I found out the foster actually lived one street away from me. Wow. <laughs> yes, I was living, yeah, I was living in Scotch Plains at the time and I remember we corresponded and she said, oh, you live on this street? I actually live one block away from you and I zip through your street all the time to get to, you know, to get to town. So it was pretty interesting. So towards the end of March, um, I remember two days prior to the official adoption date, we had a meet and greet at my home um, and I remember he, you know, Ziggy came out of the little, um, the crate from I, basically the back of her station wagon. She, Ziggy ran across towards me and um, basically started licking my face, Aww. which, which I do not like. <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> but for some reason, th this time around, I was completely okay with it. I was laughing. And mind you, this is eight months post-loss. It was probably the few moments I ever laughed hmm. um, after my husband passed. And I just absolutely enjoyed it. And the foster, Dorian, just stood there in astonishment. And she told me later, Heidi, I've only ever seen him do that to me. Not even to my husband. He's only ever done that to me. Um, so two days later, you know, she, so she made the case for me. I got approved for the adoption, March 31st, 2015, as when he became my son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so he was with me for six years. So March 31st up until May of 2021, um, he and I had been through so much together. Um, you know, I, I am, and I don't like, to lead with this, but I think it's relevant to kind of just give more flavor to the story. Um, I'm diagnosed with clinical depression, major anxiety, PTSD following, you know, loss of my husband. 
So he was more than just a pet to me. He, he you know, he was a certified emotional support animal. I had I have a letter from my my doctor. Sure. Um, and it's it's even beyond that. You know, there were so many nights where it was, I was very depressed. You know, it was just endless loneliness and hopelessness. And he would just, he was there for me on many occasions. Um, and I've stated this before. I'm, you know, he's one of the, the main reasons I'm alive today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, in 2020, so last year during the summer, um, he was actually diagnosed with hemo, hemangiosarcoma which is a cancer of the blood vessel, blood vessel wall. Um, and he went through five rounds of chemo and he kicked cancer's butt. He was definitely a fighter. Absolutely. Um, and he was deemed cancer free at the end of those, uh, the five rounds of chemo. Um, unfortunately, I would say towards the end of 2020, beginning of 2021 was when we started to notice the decline. Um, he became immobile. I would say January, February of this year, he was unable to move his hind legs. He became incontinent. Um, it was difficult, you know, there were at some point, I would say maybe two months leading to, you know, his last day, I actually had to bathe him every night just to clean him because he would soil himself. You know, he was unable to go outside. He couldn't even stand up anymore. Um, yeah, so I had a couple of appointments for a quote unquote, possible euthanasia. And mm. I felt like I really pushed it. And I struggled with this with with feelings of guilt, because I did go to three different vets just to be absolutely sure that there was nothing we could do for him. Mm -hmm. um, and I, at the time, I was staying with Dave, which is about, I would say, maybe 40 miles away from my home. So I was taking Ziggy to a vet near Dave's house. Um, but I really wanted Ziggy to see my own vet, his own vet, his regular vet. So we had to wait for that appointment. Um, so finally, we had to say goodbye on May 5th, which is, you know, mm -hmm. about two months ago. Mm -hmm. okay. I'm so sorry to hear that. So, and, and thank you so much for, for yeah. being so forthright and for talking about your own, your own circumstances and, and the, the extraordinary pain that this brought you. And, and also, I think it's really remarkable the way that you work so hard to figure out whether or not it was time for, for the euthanasia. Right. I'm sure I'm not the only person who ever struggled with that. I'm sure, sure. most people probably have struggled with that. Yeah. But going to those other opinions and, and just making sure, making mm -hmm. sure. That's a, I think that's really quite a, quite an element to your story. So Dave is now with us. Oh, yeah. so Hi, Dave. Hello everyone. And, and Dave, Heidi has just walked us through the story of uh, her connection to Ziggy and then oh, of course. later on his, his illness and, and yeah. the, the end of his life. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very tragic, very hard. Uh, some tough decisions there, you know, going both ways as far as are we holding on too long? You know, do we let him go now? You know, is he in pain? And obviously animals can't talk, so it was... Uh, it's a very trying time for, for Heidi and, and Ziggy, obviously, and all of us, you know, it's uh, unfortunate. Well, the whole thing with, with the relationship, Heidi and Dave, that you had with Ziggy was that he was your emotional support animal. Right. So not only had you lost your husband and Ziggy filled some of that 
you know, comfort for you. But now Ziggy has died also. So yeah. I can't imagine that, you know, it was almost like a double, a double whammy, you know, that, um, that the death of your husband also came back. Yeah. Is that so, Heidi? Was it, was it a reawakening of that very, very, very important loss as well? Absolutely. It definitely was compounded grief. Um, it was very triggering. Um, you know, I, I, I walked into that appointment scared, not just for what, what I was about to see and experience, but also for what I kind of knew was going to happen, you know, the inevitable afterwards. Um, but I have been working very closely with my therapist and obviously, you know, I have Dave and Benji in my life and also Zena. So I, you know, I, I have really good support, you know, just within the family and also our circle of friends. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, so I wonder if, if perhaps both of you could talk a little bit about how you support one another and, and what, what exactly you do, because it, it, it's sometimes the case that couples are able to be very much there for each other and sometimes not. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that, you know, on my end, the biggest thing, the first thing that comes to mind is understanding. You know, we're both widows and we understand each other. We understand our loss. I think that not everyone can really get it. Um, there are many, obviously, empathic and sympathetic people in the world. Uh, but having gone through it myself, I know what Heidi's going through. Her, her angel anniversary of, of Arnell just passed. And, uh, you know, I tried to be there for her every step of the way, uh, whatever I could do for her, because I, I know exactly how it feels when you hit that anniversary marker and uh and again with the with the dog you know we all i've had dogs i've lost dogs but heidi had such a unique relationship with this one dog that just literally saved her life literally uh on several occasions as she'll you know say um you know she was by herself you know no children after arnell passed away and, and this dog just came into her life and filled her heart with with happiness mm -hmm. And, uh, and to lose that, and we all know what it's like to lose dogs just in a quote-unquote regular situation, to lose her puppy in, in this situation. Um, you know, I think she mentioned, and you alluded to it, Ken, that it, it felt like losing Arnell all over again. I mean, it's that, it's that bad, you know, and she still she still has her days. It's not like, oh, guys, you know, two weeks and you get over it. It's it's You never get over it. You, you move forward. You don't move on, just like with any loss, uh, as we know, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you, you, you don't you don't come back to where you were before. Let, let me just ask Heidi, and 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 just if you could be really really specific, perhaps, what kinds of things did Dave do? Does Dave do that are helpful for you? Because sometimes people just are at a loss as to what to do, and I, and I wonder what are some of the, the the just really specific things. There's lots of things that Dave has done and you know, that he continues to do. I mean, but I think the biggest one, as he said, is just being empathic and being open and loving and basically always letting me know that, that he will always hold space for me, you know? So whenever I feel down, he's, he's very quick to come to me and just even hold me or hug me or hold my hand. Um, we don't always have to speak, which is great. <laughs> I talk a lot at work um, and obviously we have our own podcast as well. So I do a lot of talking most of the time. It's nice to just be quiet, be in that moment for me to, to feel the feelings, feel the emotions. 
embrace the emotions and not have to explain it all the time. You know, I think that's one of the, the things that I love about Dave is that he allows me to just be in the moment, um, but still showing that he's there for me and he's support that's he's fully supportive of me. Um, th there's, there's a certain, um, that I don't think all couples or all, all relationships hit that point where you're just comfortable in silence. And mm, we definitely, mm -hmm. yeah, we definitely have mm -hmm. hit that point. I think we yeah. always have had that, but even more so now, it's even more important in grieving, at least for me, because I think a lot of the time that is how I grieve. I'm usually quiet. Um, mm -hmm. I, like I said, I do a lot of speaking. I, I do a lot of writing and I treasure the moments when it's just quiet and I'm just able to be. Wow, that's great. And Dave, how how do you how did you deal with the loss of your dogs? I know you had quite a few. And how was that similar to what did you have somebody with you at the time or you know Yeah. So I mean I, I've I've lost three dogs in the last uh 7 years. Um if you can allow me to, you know, speak on them. Uh the first one was Chester. That was a very unique situation. He was uh Bianca and I's dog, and uh, he was he had aggression issues, and uh, he was a, I loved him. He was my own dog. I felt like he was mine, but he had problems. Uh, he he bit a couple people, uh, including myself. He bit me on the cheek, on the lip, and uh, had to get stitches. And once Benji was born, my son, uh, in March 2014, we decided that he was um, just not. We we couldn't keep him going. You know, it, it was too dangerous. And we didn't trust anyone else to keep him, so we we had to put him down. Mm. And you might think that after he bit me and stuff that it was easy, but it wasn't because he was he was my child, you know. And exactly. um, and, and any time you put a, a living being to sleep by your own hand, it's very painful. So mm. watching him go down was one of the hardest things I ever had to witness. And um, I, I still think about it to this day. You know, I, I love that dog, and and I. I miss him, you know, even though we went through everything. My, the second one was Apollo, which was, uh, he was only six years old. Also, he, he came down with a sudden case of acute leukemia out of nowhere. Uh, he was our family dog. Uh, we got him when Benji was two. Uh, he was already three, but uh, they really took to each other. And after Bianca passed away, he was like our, he really was our comfort animal. He was Benji's comfort animal. Uh, you know, they were always cuddling together and, uh, losing him was was tragic. It, it really broke me. I, I as much as I love the dog, I, I felt so bad for my son that he lost his mother at age three and then loses right. his dog at age five. It was hard for me to get past that. Luckily, he's super resilient, uh, super strong, and just uh, bounces back. But he still still talks about the dog to this day that he misses him and stuff, which is perfectly normal. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And then my, my other dog, Quentin, he was my, he was my life companion. <laughs> uh, I had him for 16 and a half years from age 27 to uh, six months after Apollo passed away. He, he passed away also. He had cancer in his lip and uh, it, it developed to the point where we couldn't, couldn't get it back. And uh, we had to put him down too. And even though he was older, yeah, he, he followed me through my lifetime of, of going through a divorce, you know, meeting Bianca, getting, together with her, having a child, getting a house. He was there for all of it and uh, and losing Bianca as well. He was there for me then and, and just uh, felt like I, I lost a whole era of my life when I lost him, you know? Oh, sure. That was a tough one too. He was my, my little pal, you know? So uh, 
you just never get over these things. These, these puppies, they, they're in your life every single day, giving you love and comfort and, uh, and good feelings and good vibes. And they're always there in your house and your bed and your floor, you feed them, you take care of them, you know, they live for you and then, and then they're just gone, you know, and it's, it's hard. It, it really is hard. You know, it's interesting because I want to go back to Chester because that gets so controversial sometimes because yeah. he was aggressive. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times, and we, we've had, Ken and I have had situations with people that have come through the group and they needed to, to have to euthanize them, even those animals that were aggressive because, yes, no one else would be able to take them and how painful that was. Right. It wasn't. It was only because of their aggression and that, of course, you had to protect your son. But yeah. how conflictual that is, you know, because yeah. you loved him so much. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you just the, personally, Dave, we, we had a story just like that. I had a, my ex-wife and I had adopted a dog. He was a coonhound. Mm -hmm. He had all kinds of behavioral issues. But when she became pregnant, he became extraordinarily aggressive. Right. And we took him for all kinds of training and we we had a number of evaluations. And uh, it'd be interesting to hear Lynn's perspective. Lynn is, is a, the mother of my child, a great friend. Right. now, Though we're no longer married. And and we decided together with with a trainer and a vet that we couldn't he couldn't continue to be with us because he would hurt our infant. There was a very serious problem with his aggression and dominance. Right. And we were told that the options could be have all his teeth removed or to put him in a pen and basically give, give him food but not have any human contact or euthanize him. Yeah. And yeah. so we decided to euthanize him because we knew that we were told there's no way you could give him up. Nobody, it, you couldn't have anybody else adopt him. It wouldn't be reasonable or fair. Exactly. And, so I think it is a very important thing to, to try to detoxify the fact that sometimes, despite everything you might try, it's just not safe yeah. to, to, keep, to keep an animal like that. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was the hardest thing I've ever done, I'll be honest with you, because mm -hmm. he was healthy. Right. You know? Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, he's dying, you know? Right. Um, and and I, I fought it a little bit. Bianca really made the call. She was like, we can't. You know, I mean, we, he was living downstairs like shut away from all of us. Mm -hmm. I would just go down and check on him a couple of times, play with him, take him out. But, but he had a horrible life after my son was born. And, um, and like I said before, I couldn't, I couldn't in, in good conscience give him to somebody else because he would hurt them. You know, he, he was, he had mental issues. I don't know yeah. what happened, but it was there. And yeah. we couldn't well, make it better. So. It's interesting what quality of life, because we always look at the quality of life of the animal you know, obviously in the context of, of euthanasia, right? right, right. Um, you know, how are they living? Are, are they drinking, eating, happy, those kind of things. But in, interestingly enough, when you read into it more, it's also the quality of life of the people who, who their pet, the pet parents, right? family. So, family, you know, family system. Yeah. Yeah. So in that case, that would have been, for you, Dave, and Ken, for you, I mean, you were you have a child, you're having a child, and it, it wouldn't have been fair to the dog to not be part of the family. Right. And right. so, but it doesn't take away the real pain, like you said. I mean, he was healthy. Yeah. And, yeah. That's, and that's, and Ken, for you, I mean, it was difficult to do that. Yeah, of course. 
Bianca saw the big picture. You know, I, you know, Benji as an infant, he's he's up on a on the couch, he's on a stroller, he's in a he's in a um, a swing. You know, but like what happens when he starts walking and he starts running around? And what if we're not yeah. looking? He opens the door and the dog gets out. And, you know, yeah, that would be, you know, uh, unimaginable. So, I want I want to return to something that that Heidi mentioned that I I think yeah. is just so important, and that is I think you said something like Heidi. Not every couple is able to be comfortable with one another in silence, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. is so. It's so fundamental to the way that we sometimes show compassion with to one another. Just being present and not saying anything, not just being there. And and one of the things that that we've talked about and we've certainly seen is that that sometimes is very hard for men. Yeah, it's sometimes very hard for men because we're 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 so programmed to try to fix things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so Everyone to, laughs. Yeah, to hear that, that the two of you have, have a relationship where it's okay to just be in each other's presence and be compassionately silent is really powerful. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really wonderful because a lot of people don't know, even women don't know what to say or how to be when their friend, family member says, oh, my God, I'm, I'm so distraught because my beloved Ziggy died or just right. died. And they just want to feel either they don't want to say anything and move away, but leave, avoid, or they fill their, 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 their space with talking to the person. Right. And a lot, a lot of times, and Heidi, I'm with you, if I'm grieving, I'm quiet. You know, I just need someone there. Yeah, you know, it's important just to have that space, but be be supported by someone who gets it, who understands that you just need that space. Yeah, I, I don't even think uh, too much of it, even though obviously you're right. I mean, I, I guess I'm I am an empathic guy to begin with. And then having gone through the losses that I have and also knowing Heidi like I do. And we had a friendship for several years before we started dating. Um, I, I guess I just get it. It does. It, it's not even a thing to me. It's just, it just seems like the right thing to do. I just know what to do at the right time, I guess. And, and likewise, she's the same way. I mean, when I had went through Bianca's birthday a few days ago and, and she was right there. And, and when I broke down once or twice, which I hardly ever do, she just comforting me. She put her hand on my shoulder and, and she was just there, you know, and, and likewise, you know, we don't need to talk. It's unspoken. Exactly. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it, it helps a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so I wanted to ask you both if you could talk some about through all the the loss and the grieving. What are some things you've learned about how to live? I know that's a big question, but I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. I feel like you you're so qualified to respond to it. Heidi, you want to go first? Sure, I could go first. Um, <laughs> there's a lot that I've learned over the past seven years, um, even within the last two months since Ziggy, Ziggy died. Um, uh, um, I've, in terms of relationships, I've learned to not hold on to things for too long. <laughs> right, great, right, Dave. Um, I forgive more quickly, more often. I don't hold on to anger. 
um, really just being in the present overall um, and realizing that tomorrow is not promised. It's not guaranteed. Right. So I, I try to dispense with I actually don't like small talk. I can't stand it anymore. <laughs> I would much rather um, I'm very selective about the people who I spend my time with, you know, because time is very important to me now. And I would much rather be alone or just be with Dave and Benji or even just with Zena rather than, you know, feel pressured to do things or be with people. Um, yeah, just being very selective with the people I spend my time with, the things that I do. Um, and in terms of being supportive, you know, for other people, um, everyone grieves differently. So I usually do, I try to match the energy level of the person that I'm with. Um, and I, 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 I listen a lot more now too. You know, yeah, definitely. And I, like I said before, I'm a talker and I've learned that I, I've learned the value of silence and just listening. I think those are the main ones. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. And, and what a, a quick follow-up question I have for you is I feel like many people, when, when we first have a loss, we, we have this sort of sense of the, the value of our time and we don't want a lot of BS and we want, we kind of what you were talking about, that we, we want to, we want to make sure that we're spending our time with people who, who love and respect and, and us and, and we, we get something from the connection. We're not like putting on any sort of facade. How do you hang on to that past the initial period of grief? That's sort of, that's a question that, that I, I'd like you to respond to if you may. I, can you repeat that? I don't understand the question. <laughs> so, so like a lot of people, when we have a loss, we're like totally like now I'm going to live my life differently. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to really pay attention to what's important and who's important. But then they get caught up in the swirl of life over the next several months. And they, we, they sort of fall back to just, you know, kind of the, 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 the typical way that many people live, which is not so thoughtful and grounded. I'm not sure if I'm making good sense, but my, my question for you is, it sounds like you've been able to hold on to that perspective. Yeah. I, would, I wouldn't say all the time. I, I definitely, yeah. Um, it really depends. <laughs> I don't, I can't, I can't really claim that I'm always that consistent. I, you know, mm -hmm. life happens, you know, sometimes, um, you know, with work, um, mm -hmm. you know, I work long days sometimes, um, and I'm not able to focus on things that I want, I would rather be doing. Um, but in terms of just, you know, focusing on myself and my grief and my healing, I think just having a clear sense of what your long-term goals are. Um, I did take time off from work for about a year and a half to just do really intensive grief work and trauma therapy. I was in a program. I, it was my, my work, basically. Um, mm -hmm. Hey, Dave, would you mind muting yourself, please? I think there's a lot of background noise there. Uh, I don't think it's me. Oh, is it coming from me? Maybe it's coming from me. There's no noise in my room at all. Hard okay. Well, maybe they We don't. I don't hear anything. You don't. Okay. Maybe it's me. Um. So yeah. I'm sorry. I, I lost my tra my. <laughs> no. Well, my I train think, of thought. I think, I think you answered it. That you, you've you've done a lot of work 
to to Mm -hmm. stay focused on what's important. And you also have goals that you're oriented toward all the time, which is so important for 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 growth and for healing. And you know, I just think it's a very important thing for for people to have a sense of direction where you're going. Yes. But but yeah, you answered it and uh, we just lost Dave. I was just gonna ask Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the other thing, Heidi, that that you alluded to is that we don't want to get into a place that you you don't know what you've lost until it's gone. Absolutely. And so you really want to be present in your relationships, no matter what they are. That's a great. Absolutely. You don't want to you don't want to only realize what you've lost when you've lost it. Right. Okay. Dave, Dave, what what would you say to that question? You know, I have to say that Heidi's answer was amazing, and she was kind of uh, saying everything I was thinking. Um, but but the, the two things that really come to mind is number one is is it sounds almost corny, but to to live, you know, to uh, not take anything for granted, and you know, make sure you're making the right decisions and and being around the people that you want to be around, and um, and and that kind of leads me into the other thing, which is always always foremost in my mind and that's time i'm very very aware of my time management uh i one of the things that gets me upset more than anything else is lost time wasting time mm-hmm. uh even even small things like traffic drives me crazy because I'm losing time and, and you live in new jersey yeah yes. <laughs> i live in the wrong state <laughs> but uh you know i just maybe it's because of of everything that's happened um but uh you know and, and i work long hours. Uh, I don't work nearby. I have a 45 minute commute. And especially when it comes to Benji, my son, you know, I, I really want to make sure I spend every moment possible with him and make it a special moment. I don't, you know, want to just do nothing. I always try to do things and I try to make the most of the time that we have, the, the days that we have. Um, even today, you know, I, I went uh, to a, a water park with him, you know, and nice. just managed to get here in just the nick of time, a little bit late, unfortunately. I apologize, but uh, okay. trying to just do everything I can on my day to just make it a great day, you know. And uh, that, that kind of goes into what I how I feel about everything, you know. I, I I actually think I get too upset sometimes over over time things, but I I know why and I know where it's coming from, and I I feel strongly about it, you know. So it's living in the moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. More in the moment, which is yeah. Good. I mean, I certainly do do think about the consequences of what I'm doing. It's not like I'm just, uh, you know, free ball, free for alling it, you know, uh, on, on that end, you know, living in the moment, I'm still responsible. <laughs> of course. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, for sure, for sure. It's, it's, it's all about, I mean, I think a lot of it again is, is having, having my child and being his only parent, you know, he's, he's seven years old and I'm going to blink and he's going to be 15, you know? So uh, I want to enjoy years with him you know he's already getting too old and too snarky for me you know <laughs> I, I miss when he was three you know but um that's how that's life so i want to just enjoy every minute that i can mm-hmm. and uh, i'm happy to have you know heidi uh, along with me for this now it's it's it makes it so much better you know I, I can definitely attest to what Dave has been saying, um, even things like sports. So Benji is very active in sports. He was in baseball. He was in, on the soccer team. And Dave works on Saturdays. So he would go to work at, what is it? You would leave at 7.30, 8 in the morning, uh, work for about an hour, and drive the 45 minutes back just so he's able to watch 
each and every single one of Benji's games. Um, and he was, he actually ended up being the main coach for the baseball team. He was supposed to be a, what is it, Dave, a co-coach or something? Coach, yeah. yeah, assistant coach. And he ended up be, becoming the, um, um, the main coach, the head coach. And he really stepped into that role uh, a thousand percent. And he never missed a game. I missed a few games, but Dave definitely never missed it. Even when he was just a regular parent, a spectator, you yeah. know, for the soccer games, he was there every single Saturday. Yeah, being there. And I, I imagine that that is something that Benji will always remember. Always. He'll always cherish. <laughs> hope so. Absolutely. Of course, he's got in there too somehow. <laughs> yeah. So one, we're going to wrap up in, in a couple minutes, but one of the things I, I really want to punctuate was – the the fact Heidi that you talk so freely about getting help and seeing a therapist and yes. because because we we hear from people with some regularity who say that they are really in dire straits I mean really really struggling and in times feeling suicidal when their pet dies you know wanting to join their pet wanting to die that kind of thing mm-hmm. and and we we just it, it's so valuable to to hear somebody just so openly say, well, I'm working with my therapist and, and that's really helping because it's so important. We feel to, to say, look, it's never going to hurt you to work with a therapist. It's, it, it's potentially going to be quite helpful. And all of us have times in our lives when we're in need of support. Mm -hmm. I know I have, I know I do. And, (laughs) and it's, and I'm a therapist, Nancy's a therapist. And, and it, to, to break that stigma, I think is so important. And it's so important for people who are at a point in their lives where they're so tender, where they're, where they're grieving. It's so important to know that there's no shame. It's only helpful. And in fact, it's a great strength to ask for whatever kind of help you need when you need it and to follow through and get it. So I thank you for that. Absolutely. And it's important to note that there's different modalities, there's different, you know, avenues to seek help. It doesn't always have to be in a clinical setting, I would absolutely recommend, you know, working with a professional in the mental health, uh, behavioral sciences field, um, behavioral health. Um, But if they don't have the means or the resources to do that, you know, they can speak with maybe a priest or find a support group. It doesn't have to be in a clinical setting. Although for me, that is the preferred um, method for me or preferward avenue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. What you're saying, Ken, and I, I give Heidi a lot of credit for, for definitely getting out there and seeking the help that she felt she needed and continuing to do so. I have not gone to therapy since Bianca passed. I probably should, but again, it kind of goes into my time constraints. <laughs> all yeah, I but uh, I did go to therapy after my divorce 10 years ago, and it started as like divorce therapy, but I got past that and I ended up staying with her for three, four years. And it was just, I felt it was just fantastic to just sit down and talk to her about my thoughts and get things out there and, and feel validated or not validated. And, and it, I always walked out of there feeling good about myself. And so I think that really plays into what you're, what you're saying about it being, you don't have to be sick or, or hurt or, or depressed or anything to, to have therapy. It's, it's a good thing for, for human beings, for your brain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. So um, Nancy, closing, closing. Oh, I'm so happy that you guys joined us today yep. and you really had so much, you know, um, love that you were sharing with um, through, you know, unfortunate, you know, pain of, of the death yeah. that you have 
all, all of the deaths that you have experienced. But I think it was really helpful for our audience to, to listen to your stories. That's yeah. always important. Yeah. First coming out of stronger, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you also for having us on your podcast recently. Yes. That was, was a great, absolutely. great privilege. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's been great. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, it was great having you on our show. And thank you for having us on, on yours. Great. Okay, well, I guess we'll sign off. Thank you both very much. And Nancy, we'll talk again next week. Next week. <laughs> thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.